The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Arturia, Avid, Source Elements, and RSBE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Ashir, Greg Tan, and Steve DeMott. We're going to be talking about music for visuals, the art of making music for motion picture. Welcome, Greg. Hi. Hi. Uh, Greg, um, I think we should probably start with a bit of orientation. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of why we're talking to you today. <laughs> well, I, I guess, like, um, if we, we could describe what I do, I am a music composer. I write music for movie trailers, TV shows, video games, um, and everything else in between, as per most, um, I guess, music producers do nowadays. Um, yeah. Um, should I talk a little bit about... Um, credits or something i'm, I'm not yeah, too sure go for it. you've you've done a lot of stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome amazing okay uh well so i've been fortunate um doing this for about um four years previously well i was working at an agency well a music tech company doing music for them in-house um and after leaving uh, for the last four years since 2019 i've had my music and sound design used in trailers like jurassic world dominion um, Disney Plus, Endor, Star Wars, um, Netflixes, Our Great National Parks, um, Puss in Boots, um, The Last Wish, I think that was it, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and, and yeah, like basically many more. Um, so, so yeah, that's just a little bit of, um, what I've been up Excellent. to. Excellent. Okay. Um, uh, Ashir, why don't you like get into some more specifics yeah. real quick? So obviously me and <laughs> Julian are, I'm sort of more based with artists and creating music, uh, yeah, like pop music, that sort of thing. But w- what's the creative process when you're composing music specifically for picture? Like, how do you um, capture the right sort of mood and and vibe yeah. with that? Got it. Um, well, basically, a lot of what I do is um, writing to briefs, right? So, like, when people send you briefs or publishers or, or clients send you briefs and um, they sort of, like, describe to you, you know... Um, like, hey, there's this movie coming out. It's a superhero movie, but we won't tell you specifically what it is. Um, but, you know, here are some references. We want a superhero hybrid orchestral kind of trailer track, right? Mm-hmm. And so they will drop a couple of references, and that's that's how I get into it. So that's when, like, okay, I kind of see, like, oh, it's 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 a dark kind of vibe. It's a sort of, like, um, it's intense. It's obviously um, cinematic and mm-hmm. um, dramatic and stuff. But it's also like, you know, there's a certain style to it, you know, um, like, so it's quite obvious to tell like, oh, this is for a kid's movie or this is for like an anti-hero kind of movie, right? So so all those little things, um, they, they contribute to uh, my process. And from there, just listening to the references, I sort of get the vibe that they're going for and I just get right into it. So, yeah. So that does kind of sound similar to how we kind of work with production we get references mm-hmm. and tend to sort of produce to mm-hmm. whatever the client wants and in your case it's the director or you know the, the kind of brief are they very specific uh, with the brief or um hopefully <laughs> hopefully oh, yeah <laughs> yeah well um most of the time they are because most of the time the people that send the briefs are the publishers so the people that have the connections to the clients and they are the ones sort of pitching or representing your music. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of us, we work, you know, like quite closely. So I think there is a lot of room for us to sort of um, ask questions back and forth if there's any like um, parts that we aren't clear about or like we don't really understand what a certain word means or something okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. And are they sort of more sound focused or more kind of vibe focused in general? 
Um, probably a little bit of both. Um, I okay. think for what I do, um, f- to get your foot in the door, the production quality has to be of a certain standard already. Mm-hmm. So they won't specifically nitpick um, that unless there's something that's really jarring that's like sticking out to them. Like, um, like there was a funny story. So I, I, I worked with um, a producer on um, this show called Our Great National Parks, the one featuring um, Barack Obama. Oh, nice. So yeah. on Netflix. So mm-hmm. I did the trailer, the final trailer for that one. Um, and I think I sort of misread the brief or something like that. <laughs> and, and when I sent it over, it was like, it was full of those massive metallic hits and slams and stuff. And, and the response was like, hey, this sounds like Obama and the apocalypse. You know, <laughs> this is not Obama and National Park, right? right. And I'm like, I see that. So, okay. like, you know, we had to like remove all of that and, you know, um, go back to really organic kind of drums and sounds. Um, uh-huh. It's very minimal, you know, swooshes and hits and stuff. Because I kept thinking, hey, it's trailer music, right? You have to make it bombastic, dramatic, mm-hmm. intense and stuff. And turns out the final product, which you can view on YouTube, like um, the editor basically removed all of that. And he just okay. left the orchestral parts. So, yeah. Interesting. So, so have you ever had a situation where you've been in the room with them? Uh, and no, I would of- love to, though. But apparently, mm. these things are well. I'm, I'm, I guess, several thousand miles away, so it's going to be yeah. <laughs> a little bit Difficult. hard. But maybe one day, yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. We should we should probably kind of uh, fix you geographically. Now you've said that. Where are you speaking to us from? Oh, from Singapore. Excellent. Okay, and you're and you're talking about people who possibly are in the states or something like that. So yes. Yeah, pretty much. All have been from LA so far. So, I have a question, yeah. which is, I mean, when I when I think about people who do what you do, I I always I always think of people who are who are being presented with something. Yeah, you know, I mean, probably later in the production process than you're describing, where um, mm. where there's a temp music that they can't use, and they want someone yeah. to do something like this, but not this. Is that something that you've experienced? What do you do if you're in that position where there's some kind of like, you know, uber famous thing that'd be way too expensive or just not available to use or inappropriate in it? But, you know, we want we want something that does what this does. Um, please step up. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you, you recognise? Um, so far in my experience, I mean, I've heard of friends who have gone through this process, but... Thankfully, I've never sort of encountered this That's kind of thing. That's a very polite no, so um, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> it's a, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because like I think this applies more perhaps for film scores, like the mm-hmm. actual film music, where someone falls in love with, I don't know, like a Hans Zimmer piece or something like that. And they probably can't afford Hans, and so they're probably just going to be like, oh, can you create something close and recreates the sort of vibe to it? Um I've had heard a lot of friends encounter this when it comes to generic sort of product advertising where, you know, perhaps the company is selling a vacuum cleaner or something and, and they have this love for this temporary piece of music and they almost fall in love yeah. with it. Um, and it's weird because, like, I, I knew a story where a friend was, like, going through, like, you know, renditions and renditions of, like, different scores for, for, for the ad. It was just, like, a minute long. And like people were just going like, nope, 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 that's not it. And when he played the exact melody of the of the tap track, they were like, yeah, that's it, we love that. And he was like, I can't yeah. use this because <laughs> it belongs to someone else. You know, well, we so. have a saying. I don't know if it's the same thing, but um, yeah. we've got like a, a saying called demoitis. Mm-hmm. You probably know what that is, right? Where the yeah. artist gets obsessed with the kind of original 
demo yeah. and can't get out of that mindset. Yeah, actually, oh, yeah. I, I heard a, yeah. I heard a lovely. I, I watched a fantastic, incredibly long uh, YouTube video um, a couple of nights ago, um, and um, in it, Noel Gallagher of uh, Oasis um, was uh, yeah. was being interviewed, and and he was explaining about his most recent record, where um, uh, he had uh, his his studio guy who was who was doing lots of kind of little temp mixes and stuff, and uh, it got kind of like over halfway through this thing before, and obviously it was going to go to some big name mixer and get mixed, and he said. Why am I doing that when all I'm going to do is I'm just going to pay somebody famous a load of money to do something exactly like what he's done because that's what I want it to sound like. So he left it till mm. halfway through. And then when they said, <laughs> have you ever mixed a big record before? He goes, no. He said, well, you're halfway through one right now. And apparently the guy felt a bit, so I just thought it was a lovely story. <laughs> <laughs> ever wondered what it's like to mix an entire album for Kanye? Or layering vocals for Chris Brown? Join your hosts, Cash and G, every fortnight as we sit down with some of your favourite artists, producers and engineers to talk everything music. Brought to you by Avid Pro Tools. That sounds great. So, Greg, how do you sort of manage your time kind of effectively when you're working with deadlines? And do you have very sort of strict deadlines with this sort of thing? Or, um, Yeah, so for some of them, for the bigger projects, um, a lot of them have come from, I guess is what we call the equivalent of a work for hire or like custom kind of music for, for a trailer. And the deadlines can be really, really tight. Um, I've had some that's been like 24 hours, 48 Ouch. hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. um, my record, um, um, the Disney Plus Endor piece that I did, it was like a piano only piece. And it was like, um, I guess a few seconds long only because it was just meant to open the trailer. Um, so the intro and I had an hour to do that. Um, so that was kind of nuts because I was actually in the midst of another custom when that piece arrived, right? So I'll I just, so wanted yeah, to hear I, that I, you I, were you were improving it live on on broadcast. <laughs> oh my goodness! Can you imagine. So how did you go about sort of? Obviously, that sounds really nerve wracking. But how did you go about kind of spreading your time wisely with that hour? And what did you do? Well, I guess because. Um, to be perfectly clear, it was just like a piano-only rendition of, not too sure if you guys know, like um, John Williams' iconic um, Binary Sunset. So that that piece, um, yeah, it was just like the piano version and the editor or the supervisor, whoever strictly wanted like those few notes. So it was really quick, actually. Okay. Um, and I paused the other project and I just went into this and just delivered it. Um, also sent them the MIDI file in case they wanted to, you know, swap out the sounds for whatever. And um, yeah, just jump right, it, right back into the other one. So, yeah. Oh, so that's, that mm. sounds like an example where you can get away with that. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. There was no way. I think if like a full-on second project dropped the same time as um, when I was in the, doing the other one, um, it would it probably would have been quite difficult to, you know, manage both of them. So I guess you got to prioritize, if that makes sense. Uh, so we've just spoken to Greg about his creative process. Um, and so, Steve, what what is your kind of uh, creative process with uh, composing to picture? Is it similar or um, do you have people in the room with you when you compose or do they send you a sort of brief? And, and, and what's that like? Uh, typically it happens. Um, I'll sit with... Um producer or director sometimes both whoever has the final say and we'll we'll spot through the the video okay making notes of where music comes in where it's out what kind they want mm -hmm. uh typically mm -hmm. work in that fashion either uh in the room or using 
uh, like uh, Spotterfish or something like that, where we can do it. So remotely. this is very different already with um, uh, yes. compared to what Greg's doing, just because I mean, Greg, through geography, <laughs> being in Singapore, um, uh, <laughs> doesn't doesn't do as much uh, in the room as you, by the sounds of it. And um, so uh, also, I mean, just to kind of specify when you when you're talking about a video, the kind of project that you're working on, just to kind of um, uh, just it to the audience, what kind of projects have you been doing? I don't know, just kind of a. a uh, well, I'm in the middle of a feature film. Okay, now. so long form. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I just finished a short that um, is going to be hitting like all the festivals this summer. Cool. Um, and then I've done um, like promo pieces, really short, 15, 30 second, one minute, 45 seconds. You know, you do all the cut downs. I've done short ones like that as well. Hmm. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it really depends. On the really short ones, I usually just get a brief and it's just. This is what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. I give, you know, maybe two, three options, and we whichever option's best, we flesh out, and that that's it. But with the longer form stuff, it's usually done through a spotting session. We we mark all the ins and outs and what kind of feel they're going for, and then I'll go back and I'll, I'll I actually create a, a session for each skew, mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll just go in and I'll, I'll try to. I, I start off by trying to time everything right. You you want to get a, a pulse of the the way that the scene is playing out, and you mm -hmm. want to. You want to kind of compose to that. And then, then I'm on my own at that point. I'm alone. I'm composing uh, by myself and just, you know, coming up with ideas, waking up in the middle of the night going, ah, I got to remember that and jotting mm. it down in mm. do re mi form on, on a notebook. And there are, are there sort of really important things that you need to consider usually with creating uh, to a script, for example, because obviously you want the audience to, to feel a certain way. Um you know, how do you do that? Do you sort of select certain sounds? Um, yeah, I mean, it, again, it depends on the mood that they're asking for and the feel. Like the current, the current um, feature film I'm working on is a horror piece, so it's it's a lot of dread and suspense, anticipation mm. kind of um, uh, cues. So mm -hmm. you know, you you pick those types of sounds. You pick things that maybe aren't so natural sounding. Maybe mm -hmm. things that uh, a lot of low strings help <laughs> with that. Um, uh, that kind of stuff. So you, you want you want to make sure you're playing to to the mood that they want to enhance in the scene. But then you also have to worry about um, working around what's there. Like you don't want to obfuscate the dialogue. Yeah, you don't want to get in way in the way of the sound effects. It's kind of okay if you obscure a little of the foley and or that kind of stuff. No one ever really complains about that. But the dialogue and the sound effects are are kind of they they have equal footing uh, at that moment, and you just need to be supporting that. Mm -hmm. uh, to pick up yeah, on um, uh, on the question we put to Greg about um, about timescale and deadline, though, I mean you can't. There, there's no one answer to this. <laughs> it will change project to project. But kind of just some some experience you've had of of, of deadlines. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites is I work with this videographer who's often texting me at four o'clock on a Friday. Hey, I just sent you blah 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 blah. No rush, but it'd be great if I can have it early next week. <laughs> What like wow. so <laughs> right over the weekend for me? <laughs> so, so we we have that all the way to like this one. It started off as, and I knew this wasn't going to last, but it started off as, hey, we have a really good rough cut that we're you know we're we're happy showing. So no rush to about two weeks later. You know I, I think we're 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 going into bigger and bigger meetings. We're going to need the final soon. So 
let's kick it into gear. So, you know, it's, um, yeah. but you know, you have to be reasonable. I mean, uh, like for on this, for instance, on this current project, I'm not just doing the composing. I did all the audio posts. So I oh, started wow. with dialogue edit and sound effects. Um, mm -hmm. And then we did, I don't do Foley, and I was upfront about that with the uh, production team, but we do, we're doing like library Foley as a okay. as mm -hmm. a, a workaround, because I don't have a Foley pit or a place to really record proper Foley, though I've been grabbing sounds for stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I got to the music. So it, it was a bigger project, and from the start, I, I warned them, hey, that dialogue edit on a 96-minute on a movie is, you know, that's a couple weeks right mm -hmm. there, and then, you know, sound effects is going to be another week, and, you know, so it was... That kind of uh, you have to gauge each one, and, you, and that's correct. You do you do have to gauge what your um, what you can get through, and how big the project is. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects, called the AudioFuse Creative Suite, is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit Autoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. I have a question for both of you. Um, could you walk us through your kind of setup, like from what computer you have, uh, what uh, DAWs you use, uh, software and stuff like that? Um, I think that's interesting to get a feel for how you work. Well, my setup is really simple. Um, it's just a interface to a MIDI controller to a 2017 iMac. I'm I'm a little bit That's even older than the computer mine. and stuff. <laughs> mine, I think yeah. mine's slightly older than that actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let me see what I'm on. I'm on an Audion ID44. Uh huh. So yeah, running through. I have a preamp, just a mic pre, a warm audio tone beast, um, to a Furman conditioner, and that's basically just my setup. Um. Yeah, uh, my speakers are two Quested S7R Mark Threes, Mark Two. Can't remember which, you know. But um, yeah, essentially, uh, that's that's just pretty much what I have. Um, uh -huh. Really basic, simple with chin yeah. setup. I got a couple of mics lying around, but um, Do I you, don't. You use... don't record much, I imagine. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do, I try to do like um. DI if possible, like mm -hmm. um, you know, just like whether it's plugging in guitar or bass or something. Um, of course, if there's a need for like um, I guess authentic sounds or you know some stuff you don't want to use, um, stuff that's just available to everyone most of the time. Um, I try to like um, mix in my own organic sounds, whether it's like simple snaps, um, claps, you know, um, mm -hmm. and and clicks and and stuff like that. Um, cool. What about yeah. your DAW and the, the, do you use a lot of sort of uh, synthesizers or? Oh yeah, so I'm on Logic. Um, a lot of the sample libraries I use. Um, performance sample, so that's a contact library. Um, okay. So that's for the orchestral stuff. Um, Cinebrass, um, for the sound design, using a lot of um, heaviosity, gravity kind of stuff. Mainly because okay. I do a lot of um, trailer kind of work. So there's a lot of cinematic, um, I guess, more mm. uh, almost... You know, it's almost cliche to talk about this, but um, that kind of um, larger, massive sounding kind of um, pulse hits or, or like slams and mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, and you, you make yeah. those yourself. You design those. 
mostly? Um, sometimes. Um, okay. And sometimes it's just like the sample libraries that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, lots of stuff from these guys called Keep Forest. Oh, I'm not sure if you've heard of them. Or uh, Boom Library. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so those bunch. Um, and I try to make sure that these samples aren't just out of the box. Like I tweak them. Mm-hmm. I add a filter. I add some kind of crazy compression. Just because, you know, I think there's a tendency for a lot of producers to to just like, oh, this sounds great out Drag of the box, drop. you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Right. Um, and I think there was a period of time where some like editors was, or so were complaining like, hey, everything sounds the same, you know, like they got to like mix it up a little that. bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, when, when producers like are, are told like, hey, you got to keep up with the sound, like make your sound sound modern and stuff. Um, there, there's a tendency to just like buy the latest sample library and just like hope that mm-hmm. you're the first to the market to sort of get it out there <laughs> before the whole world okay. comes along. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much what I do, um, what I use. Um, there are a few other interesting sample libraries that I use that are more, I guess you would call it... Um, ethnic instrument based so like okay. um the jade orchestra by Strezov, um that's a sort of like a asian sample library kind of thing that has lots of ethnic instruments mm-hmm. um yeah so stuff like that i'm not a huge fan of buying things that i don't need so yeah. it's always just like do i really need this you know do i really need another orchestral mm-hmm. library you know what about <laughs> so strings like what's your favorite um you know way of uh do you do, you do a lot of string yeah. Stuff or- so right now I'm pretty much using performance samples. Um, I think it's Vista strings, and um, they have a bunch of solo strings as well. You know, um, and uh, so yeah, pretty much that layering it with a few random libraries here and there, um, just to make it you know cut through. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it um, is is the few um, sample libraries that I've just described. Um, things from Audio Imperius and samples. Um, yeah. Pretty mm. much. And do you work within a sort of template or is everything that you do slightly a different genre so you kind of start from scratch every time? I, I think over the years, you know, of doing this, um, a template has started to form. Um, but, okay. you know, it's never like, oh, I've done this genre like a few weeks ago and they've asked me to do it again, right? I don't go back to the same template and just use exactly mm. what's in there. Mm. I make sure there are new things or new sounds or new samples, um, but pretty much the core of it, you know, maybe like the pads or the booms or, or the swoosh hits, like some of it has some... Will be reused, yeah. Yeah, a little bit, but not, again, not wholeheartedly, you know, a little bit of editing goes into it, manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I've been obsessed with like playing around with filters of late just because I can get away with it. Um, so, uh, yeah, like that's yeah, nice. pretty much my go-to for now. And so do you, I don't know, do you have a specific way you start with the compositions, like with the drums or with the, the chords, or does it depend on how you're feeling? I mm. think, um, well, for trailers, trailer music, there's a lot of similarity to, I guess, pop music, where mm-hmm. there is an emphasis on a theme or a hook or a sort of signature sound effect. Um, okay. If you guys have seen like trailers over the last you know few years, it's always this, this like ping or there's this like bram that just gets like you know repeated every time Mm -hmm. you know as as, as the track progresses um so i try to start off with that because um one of the fallacies that i made and i think a lot of trailer composers when they started out was that they confuse epic orchestral music with um trailer music 
So there was a lot of overlaps, you know, in terms of some of the way the orchestration is done and so on and so forth. But um, trailer music needs to have something to sort of um, stand out from the start to the end. So that is usually like a signature sound piece or a melodic theme or just something that, you know, keeps building sort of like a theme that develops. Um so yeah, I start out with the theme and try and like you know develop that you know. Um, it's yeah. a, it's a it's a, an intensity of a kind of a, a, a tension. I'm I'm getting the wrong words here actually, but uh, well, I suppose what I'm trying to say is what you're describing is you're taking the tools of a long form uh, style orchestral instruments, mm-hmm. but trying to use them in such mm-hmm. a short format. Um, the one thing that orchestral yeah. music has uh, um, is uh, it's got time to develop ideas. And you have light motif, and you have themes that recur, and all of this kind of stuff. And you can't do that in a thirty-second oh, yeah. uh, trailer. Mm. So uh, interesting. We, we should bring Steve in, though. Steve, um, from what you've heard, um, uh, points of, of similarity and difference with uh, with what Greg said. Oh, so my setup is uh, it's similar. I've got uh, starting with a my computer's in an iMac Pro. Okay. Which uh, is also twenty seventeen. Um, Good. Yeah, but it, I mean, showing no signs of, of slowing down this thing. I, I yeah, same here. Even, even mm-hmm. on a really big project, I mean, if I hit 50% usage, it's, it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, this thing cranks. And I have um, three metric halo interfaces. So I have um, 24 ins as needed. I, I usually never need that much, but especially not for this. It's just not, unless I'm, you know, recording a real string section or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, other stuff, I mean, um, my MIDI controller is also uh, my synth and keyboard. It's a older one. It's a Korg Triton Extreme 88. Mm-hmm. I use that for uh, triggering virtual instruments, but I also still use a lot of the sounds on it. I, okay. I kind of, I like cool. to commit wow. early I, I, I'm not a big fan of just throwing a lot of MIDI in and deciding on sounds later. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll commit to sounds. Like this has mm-hmm. got some really nice um, uh, piano and organ sounds that I, I like for uh, pads and stuff. And then I have a ton of, I, I use. I like to use a lot of uh, instru- real instruments. So um, I have a ton of guitars and basses. Um, sometimes I'll throw some trumpet on because I started as a trumpet player. Um, so I can do like little swells and stuff if I stack three or four. Um, yeah. And then, uh, in terms of libraries, uh, kind of disappointing. I, I use a lot of stuff that, um, I'll sample or, um, you know, I have a few basic, uh, cinematic strings, um, um, Spitfire orchestra. Um, Mm -hmm. I have, um, some of the uh, native instrument strings, and uh, one of them is really nice. It's I think it's called um, I think it's called scary strings or something like that, or, or horror okay. strings. And it's it's they've they've got the little you can hear the ro- the rosin scratches on the bows and all. So ah, it, cool. It's very it's very textured. Great for like when you, if you're trying to be a, a little annoying <laughs> with the strings on the low end, <laughs> try, trying to trying to get, give that tension grating kind of feel. Uh, and then um, Dawes is mostly pro tools okay. at wow. one time at one time i used to use digital performer to do a lot of this but um sadly uh since about version seven or so it's been getting buggier and buggier so I, i've kind of migrated mostly to pro tools at this point uh but i do use a little bit of logic 
and some of the mm -hmm. logic instruments uh, that I sync up using uh, MTC between mm -hmm. the two. Which logic instruments do you use? Um, if I need, particularly if I need drums or something, I, I like the drums there. Mm. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'll program them, but I'll use their sounds. Um, and uh, then I'll, I'll usually uh, put real drums on top of that and what, enhance. So, do you do anything with the strings to sort of make them feel more realistic or are there any tricks? I'm glad you mentioned that, Shea, because I, I was going, I mm. want to talk about controlling articulations yes. in libraries because this is yeah. a thing yeah, I've never, I, I, ever really got to grips with. No, I either. absolutely do. I keep my hand on a controller while I'm playing parts so that I can yeah. swell in and out. Because if you play a real stringed instrument, you know, the attack and the release, you know, you have to, you, <laughs> have, you, you have this arc yeah. of sound and yeah. you have to create that. And, and also I try not to, I try to play to the feel rather than the click, mm. which mm. I think helps makes things feel real. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, you often have a slight delay uh, where, where your pulse is, especially on the, if you're doing really legato strings. They're yeah. going to come in yeah, a little that late. Yeah, that light strings right? thing. And they're yeah, going to hang yeah. a tiny bit. Well, so it's yeah. like a oh, slight yeah. swing, isn't it? But if you can do it naturally rather than something. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like to play my parts rather than write them out. Like I'll play mm. them out on the keyboard uh, part mm. at a time and then stack them. Um, I'm, I'm a good enough keyboard player to do that. I couldn't play like a piano concerto or mm, anything but mm. I, I could play the parts out and then play the harmonies and keep stacking them and i keep my hand there's a little uh joystick controller on the keyboard that i can assign to the um whatever control i need to and just kind of swell in swell mm. out so you don't go off. back in and do automation then you sort of try to o do it only if i messed it up yeah okay mm. you know I'll, I'll fix something if i if i uh, overshot or if i I didn't do it enough. I'll, I'll uh -huh. go and fix it. But I, I'd rather do it live, and I'd rather have the feel there. Yeah. So for strings, yeah. I mean, we're talking. We, you you need to be able to swell the strings and control the. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it'd probably be expression actually, rather than volume, and uh, and um, and you want to be yeah, able to control the, um, the, uh, the vibrato as well because. That's a dead giveaway if that's kind of too repetitive, even if it's got a delay on it, so it comes in. If if it doesn't, you've got to play that as well. Right. That's so that's three arms already. So <laughs> what about yeah. you, Greg? What what do you do you do similar things or you got any Yeah, different? totally. Um so I started as a violinist, so like I'm kind oh. of particular about like the you know, like some sample libraries, like the string sounds really good by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um but when you blend it in maybe with the rest of like, you know, a larger orchestra, like if um especially if you use um different kinds of sample libraries from different developers and they're all recorded in different rooms and different mm. halls and stuff. You just got to make them fit somehow. So I'm not as proficient as I used to be in the instrument, but uh, <laughs> I do pay attention, um, as Steve was saying, you know, to these things. And um, yeah, like I think there are some pretty cool libraries that even allow you to, um, don't quote me on this, I'm not too sure, but I've heard I don't own this library. Um, mm -hmm. CSS strings, Cinematic Studio strings. Um, okay. You can control the vibrato um, with like a mod wheel or something. Um, yeah, so that's really cool. So I'm always looking out for these kind of things that basically the more options, the better. Um, and of course, how it sounds out of box and um, how, I guess, natural it sounds. You know, with string libraries, like Steve was saying, there's always that sort of, I guess we call it negative delay that we have to adjust. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of like modify accordingly because string players, when they record it live, they never really um, hit 
the the downbeat you know um yeah so um do you ever get tempted just to record your own strings if you're a violinist Um, or i i wish i did i just know that my playing isn't good enough to record anymore (laughs) um it's it's kind of funny because like i can i can tell obviously when something is sampled and when Mm -hmm. something you know oh this is like obviously live players or you know, oh, there's a little bit of live players um, layered under these um, sample strings or something. I can sort of tell just because of um, my background. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I think if most of the time when speed is of the essence, I just pretty much use um, what's available in my sample library. So um, yeah, yeah, and, and well, string good string libraries are extremely good these days. I mean, I remember, mm. I remember the old days oh, yeah. of uh, Akai samples on CD and all that stuff, and you know, and it was <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, a lot harder work. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. I remember being impressed when I got a, um, in the 80s, I got a Juno and I was like, oh, that almost sounds like a cello. Oh yeah, no, no, there was, there was a patch on my Juno that was like, yeah, wow, strings. But then kind of like we got the Proteus and stuff and we thought they sounded good, but you know, we've yeah. come a long way. Yeah. Um, what do we need to, well, time's yeah. kind of marching on, but it, what do we need to cover? Uh, Maybe storage space. Oh, now that's a good one actually. Backups. Yeah. Mm. Please, mm. go on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, one, I think, another question that's uh, definitely been playing on my mind lately as well. Um, so how do you manage such, you know, I imagine the projects are quite heavy um, and you've got a lot of sort of uh, edits. Um, so how do you manage the projects and storage space and, and things like that, Greg? Um, well, for me, I just send everything to external SSDs. So okay. I have a bunch of like um, Samsung, let me see, um, 860 Evos uh, EVO um, that are plugged in right now. Um, and I just have one maybe for logic projects, uh, another one for sample libraries, then I have a bunch of them for backups. And um, yeah, so everything also is on the cloud, on Dropbox, on Google Drive. So mm-hmm. I just never want a situation where where I I got to find something from like a couple of years ago and I can't find it anymore just because it doesn't live on my computer. Mm. Um, but yeah, and I guess also like I don't want to, I guess, tax the computer too much, like just by yeah. running everything in the box. Um, so yeah. So could you walk us through that then? How does how do you sort of sync to Dropbox and how does that become sort of part of your daily, weekly routine? Oh, so literally, well, I don't do this as often as I should. I probably should, okay. but um, <laughs> should back it up more. Um, yeah, I literally just like create. I, I, I am quite an organized person. Mm-hmm. So I organize like project files um, according to all well, their projects or maybe who it's for, who's the client, who's the publisher or label. Okay. Um, and, you know, these things just exactly are reflected and mirrored in the Dropbox or the Google Drive folders that I put them in. You know, so if it's called, for example, file project one, two, three for mm-hmm. publisher or label one, two, three or client one, two, three, you're mm-hmm. going to see the exact same name um, as um, that in my storage disk as per in my Dropbox. So, um, yeah, 
So pretty much just trying to, I, I don't want to be in a situation where I need to like struggle to pull files and I don't remember which hard disk they're in yeah. or which SSD they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so you, that's, yeah. That basically so before we go to, oh, to Steve with that, with that question, just, uh, we can't talk about this stuff without talking about, um, with versions and, uh, and probably also just kind of, um, uh, how you, how you handle um, revisions from a notes point of view as well as a, a version keeping track of which version to which at your end um ah, so well for me basically whenever a revision comes in unless it's a really 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 minor tweak i tend mm-hmm. to save like um like a version one or version two i tend to mm-hmm. save s i guess and um it it makes me really clear it gives me a lot of clarity you know um with regards to which version we're currently at, you know, with let's say a client or a publisher ones, like I think I've done quite a few that have gone up in number just because there were little details that um, mm. they were looking out for. So I just basically saved um, a new project every time. Um, okay. So I know it does take a lot of space, but um, it's it's, def- it's definitely helped me a lot, especially and- when it comes to like being yes yeah, of course so. i mean it's a long time since i've used logic okay. but um you've got the choice mm-hmm. of uh, we're mm-hmm. talking monolithic projects projects here with all the assets um bundled into them oh yeah because you can do reference yeah. uh, projects as well okay uh, yeah <laughs> and i mean obviously you just you you finish it you call that version dot final and uh, <laughs> i'm only joking uh steve we, you should um uh, you should pick up the, the same question before we uh, go to find of the week though tell us about um your how you keep track of what's what and uh, how you uh, cope with that sort of uh interaction towards the end of a project where you're picking up the notes sure so similar to greg i have a bunch of ssds that i i use i have a, a work drive for audio a work drive for video and then a backup of each one that gets uh, at the end of the day and sometimes if i'm taking a break in the middle of the day i'll, I'll use carbon copy cloner and make a, mm. a backup of each one of those i have a more permanent backup on a synology nas that i keep hooked in the on the network that i will make uh end of day backups and um final long-term backups yeah um and then in terms of versioning yeah, it's very similar. I, I create a new session file for each version and it just mm-hmm. increase the, uh, and, well, instead of a version number, I, I, what I do is I date each thing and I, oh, I, cool. use, I use, um, uh, the year, month, day, hour, minute. Mm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I, I use that. So I know which is the absolute latest. And I do that mm. also on my, on my, uh, prints. Yes, they're they're all that. tagged yeah. with wow. year, month, date, hour, minute. So if I you know say at 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 three o seven p.m. I, I send it off, and at four four ten I get a revision note back and make the quick change and send it back. Mm-hmm. You know, because if I just use the day, then now I have two of the same day, and it could be very confusing. And, and, so, um, Steve, how do you get those revisions back? Do you use like a, a kind of software or email? How does that work? T- typically, it's email or a phone call. Um, okay. Yeah, and then I'll just I keep track of it. I I keep a a and basically a text edit file in with each project folder, where I keep all. Of oh, that that's stuff. a good idea. I like that. Mm. And I typically share um, with um, whoever I'm working with. It, um, I will share a Google Sheet that mm-hmm. I have a template that has you know time code in, time code out event wow. 
note and they can go through and see. I, I will make notes as I'm going through and say, hey, you know, I think we need ADR here or, or this here, you know, as we're going through a project. Um, and then they can go back and make notes with time code and, and it's all shared and they can share it with mm -hmm. whomever is, you know, a decision maker on the project. Nice. That sounds very organized. I like that. Thank you both very much for that uh, illuminating talk about uh, about how you do what you do. But um, yeah, moving on to Find of the Week. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, Reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. So, Greg, what's your find of the week? Um, well, so basically I've been watching um, Netflix quite a bit um, with the family, and I don't usually do this, but I, I came across a recent Korean drama um, called Agency, and it's mm -hmm. literally talking about... Um, it's a drama that revolves around the life, the people... Um, who work in a creative agency and, you know, them doing advertisements and stuff and like um, the stress and the politics they face, um, which was kind of cool because I, I never thought like, you know, I particularly enjoy a drama revolving around a creative agency. I mean, who who really thinks of that, right? But mm. um, I really enjoyed it just because um, there were so many points that were relatable, you know, um, because they sort of showed things um within the agency but also on the client's end um and like you know how the back and forth kind of goes and yeah just like the whole quality of character development plot development it didn't mm. feel boring mm. um even though the title just sounds a bit like huh like uh yeah so and you um, were so, uh, so quite realistic as well yeah, yeah pretty much yeah. um yeah yeah so so that was that was pretty cool i pr practically binge watched it over the weekend so <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, that sounds fun. I'm just checking out the uh, the page on Netflix, and yeah, no, I think I might have to check this one out. I think Max might enjoy this one. I think so too. Because lots of people, lots of people, well, the same person actually over and over again talking to somebody on a phone, looking like they're doing something treacherous. So okay, <laughs> we'll check that one out. Um, <laughs> uh, Shit, what about you? What about you? What's your find of the week? Uh, yeah, so um, I don't know if you know about it, uh, Julian, but on the 22nd of June, uh, the University of Salford, which is apparently near Manchester. Um, they're holding a spatial audio That's festival. the most southern um, thing I think I've ever heard anyone say. Salford, which apparently is near Manchester. <laughs> oh my goodness, should I do that again? <laughs> no, this is staying in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Salford, okay. Um, yes, well they are, Salford, are holding a spatial audio festival um, on their campo campus. And uh, campus is a place in Spain, by the way. So it's actually a campus. Um, um. Yeah, and it's all day. It's completely free of charge. Um, and it's being sponsored by um, Avid, BBC, uh, Neumann. Uh, DMB, as well. providers of wonderful PA systems. Oh, yeah. Genelec oh, as well. Yes. Um, and yeah, it sounds kind of, it could be fun, completely free. Um, yeah, and if you're interested in learning more about spatial audio and you're sort of nearby, it might be worth uh, checking it out. Well, they've got a 7.1.4 system set up, and I bet it'll be a nice one, actually, if they're doing that. So, yeah, mm. that sounds like a great thing. I won't be going. It's much too far, but uh, excellent yeah. and a good find. Steve, what about you? What's your find of the week? So, let me preface it by saying, <laughs> not surprising it's going to be uh, gear. And, yeah. Uh, 
So uh, yesterday we were doing a live stream and my and we were talking in the in the live stream van and uh, my assistant we were talking about you know what do you what do you think about what do you do when you're not doing work and my assistant turned to me and she says what do you do when you're not doing work what do you think about and I, I turned to her and I said compressors <laughs> and then everyone left and went to talk to someone else <laughs> and, and she said huh <laughs> so it's okay. a compressor uh, great my my favorite room mic is a stereo ribbon Okay. And, uh, and we got this um, Audioscape decomp compressor recently at the studio. It's a uh, diode bridge Neve style. Like oh, a I love a diode bridge type. compressor. Mm. Yeah, they're really nice. And I've been loving it uh, on my room mics, just squeezing them like, you know, crunch. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's just, it's um, it's a great little box and uh, it, it adds so much vibe. It's So it's the Audioscape I'm just decomp. checking it out nice. now. It looks lovely. Okay, excellent. We'll have to talk about that some more. <laughs> Got to check it out. That's very cool. What about you, uh, Julian? Mine, I, I, I've, I prepped one in advance, so I'm not just kind of like filling in with ums and ahs while I think of something. Literally today, very literally today, um, I was uh, I was sent a load of WAV files and I needed to turn them into MP3s. And I'm so Pro Tools. I mean, I just do stuff like that in Pro Tools. I'll import them into Pro Tools. I'll just do trap bounces mm. or whatever. Mm. And for some reason, I just thought, actually... I bet there's a faster way of doing this. And I used to use mm -hmm. Rogue Amoeba's um, uh, Fission uh, software um, for doing the podcast. We used to chapterize it. We stopped doing it and nobody said anything. So I went, well, that saved me loads of time because it was quite laborious to do. Um, and it was, a, it was a thing. It was the, the only software after iTunes stopped doing it that you could do it in. Um, it's it's a, it's a really nice bit of software that I don't really, I'd kind of forgotten I'd got because I don't do the chapterization anymore. Um, but I happened to open it and it's got just like the simplest, most straightforward, just get the job done batch converter built into it. And like you'd imagine in a decent batch converter, you just open the batch convert window, drag a bunch of files mm. and go make them MP3s and it does it extremely quickly. Mm. Brilliant. That's pretty you know, handy. Save, uh, mm. save me. Cool. Does it cost anything? Uh, yeah, it? yeah. It's, it's paid for software, but it's not expensive. None of the Rogue Amoeba stuff's uh, uh. costly. And it's, and it's really good. It's Mac only. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't checked it in a long time. But yeah, that was a piece of software that I had that saved me some time today. So for that, if no other reason, it's worth being a find of yeah. the week. No, that sounds very Excellent. So, I mean, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks to Sheer, Greg, and to Steve. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Production Expert Podcast.